Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Scripture this morning comes from the eighth chapter of Mark's Gospel. We'll be reading verses 22 through 30. As we come to this passage, join with me first in a word of prayer. Gracious God, your word for us is life. So we hear, O oh God, that we are listening. We pray that you would speak to us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We read this passage last week. We'll read it again. Listen for God's word for us. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home, saying, Do not even go into the village. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Today, as you know, is the first Sunday of Lent, a season in the Christian calendar where we invite ourselves to reflect on our own discipleship. How closely and in what ways are we following Christ? During this season, some will give up chocolate or push desserts away, as Brooke was reminding us. And and sometimes simple, tangible practices like this can, can help us reflect on the ways God calls us to sacrifice for the world. At the same time, it's helpful to remember that there's nowhere in Scripture that Jesus says, give up sweets and follow me. It's, it's bigger than that. It's about doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with God. We take this Lenten season to reflect where and how our trust in Christ shows up in our lives. 
And the wisdom of the Christian calendar is to return us to this season year after year after year. Because we know when it comes to living a Christian life, we never fully get it. We never completely realize it. There's always more to learn, more to experience, more to practice. So we return to this Lenten season again and again, and this Lent, we do so with particular burdens. The daily reports of war in Europe and nations, including our own, engage the calculus of how to respond without making things worse. And we hear reports of surprised Russian soldiers promised that they were peacekeepers to discover their invaders. And we hear reports of over a million refugees women and children mostly desperately trying to flee the violence in Ukraine. And in a story all too familiar, we hear of black citizens of Ukraine being pushed to the back of the line. And of course, yet refugees trying to escape violence is no new thing. And then, at a high school, actually not far from our Antioch campus, kid with a gun created a moment. I don't know what he was thinking, and I don't know how long he thought about it, but he made a horrific decision. We all make those, but guns have a way of making choices not completely thought out become permanent choices. So today there are too many kids who have to tell the story of where they were and what they felt and the fear they now carry with them, and they shouldn't have to tell that story. But there are too many guns, and they are too easy to get. So it's Lent. It's always Lent. This first Sunday of Lent, we visit this passage that is a turning point in Mark's gospel. Everything shifts after these verses. Now look, I know that Roger preached you an amazing sermon on this passage last Sunday. I hope you understand how fortunate you are as a congregation that you have a pastor like him who woke up last Thursday morning attending a conference out of town and planned to come back to host the MLK event here in this sanctuary on Saturday, which he did. But I called him Thursday afternoon and said, I got a gift for you. You're preaching Sunday. And with almost no notice, he stood up and preached like he did last Sunday. That doesn't happen everywhere. I, I hope you know how fortunate you are, and I'm thinking about throwing my back out on a regular basis. Roger focused on the healing of the blind man that Jesus wants us to see. And it's a unique story because Jesus has to touch the guy twice 
It takes a second touch. And the immediate story after that is Jesus looks at his disciples and asks, who do you say that I am? How would you answer that? Who is Jesus today? Is he the miracle worker that Mark is so familiar with? Is he just a guy who makes us feel good about who we are? Is he a morality teacher, a wise sage, a man of wisdom? Is he the future who shows us what it is to be human if we can ever get there? Who do you say that I am, he asked. And Peter, he's all over it. He's like the kid in class who's raising his hand, ooh, ooh, call on me, call on me. I know this one. Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. It's the same word. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. Both mean the anointed one, the one that God has promised all through the generations. You are the one we have been waiting for. You are the Messiah, he says. And he's right. Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one of Judaism. But the first thing that Mark tells us is that he's the Messiah, but also the Son of God. And Peter didn't say anything about that. He doesn't mention that. So a word about Mark's gospel. Here's what I think. I think Mark tells us the story of the blind man at Bethsaida who needs to be touched twice. And then he tells us the story of Peter who confesses that Jesus is the Christ. Because in some ways, they're the same story. And Peter needs a second touch. Peter sees Jesus, but not fully. Not completely, not clearly. What he sees is accurate, it's true, but it's incomplete. And so in some ways, if I understand the text, this blind man who takes two touches and Peter, they are kind of the same guy with one difference. After the first touch, the blind man knows he doesn't see clearly. Peter, on the other hand, thinks he's got it all figured out. You know, sometimes when we see what's true and right, we can tell ourselves that we see the whole truth and we're completely unaware of what we don't see. I think that's Peter. So, my dad's parents, they, they lived all of their lives in a little village in South Carolina called Batesburg. They lived there for over 70 years, I think. And almost the whole time they lived there, they had a, they had a little village doctor. His name was Dr. Johnston. And he did everything. He, he gave flu shots and he delivered babies. He set his share of broken bones. I heard in the early days, he even pulled some teeth. It was just, he just did everything until he retired. And then his practice was taken over by Dr. Sheely. 
I thought that was a good thing because Sheely grew up in Batesburg. Everybody knew him. He grew up there and he came home. He had gone off to college among the Ivy Leaguers and he, he did his medical training at Johns Hopkins or some such. But when my grandfather needed a checkup, for the first time in his life, he paid the extra gas money. There's no way for me to emphasize how important a statement that is. He paid the extra gas money to drive 45 minutes to Columbia to see an out-of-town doctor. I asked my grandfather, I said, why don't you just go to Dr. Sheely? My grandfather said, I've known that Sheely boy since he was a boy, and to tell you the truth, he wasn't that good a boy. And I said, well, he's not a boy now. He's a grown-up doctor. Boss, that's what we called him. Boss, he's a grown-up doctor. He said, do you know that he had to repeat Miss Amick's fourth grade? He failed math. He failed math. I said, well, I think he rebounded pretty well. He went to Harvard. My grandfather said, well, I don't know about Harvard, but I'm not going to any doctor who can't get out of Miss Amick's fourth grade. Failed math. That's what she said. Now, he's not wrong. It's just incomplete. Sometimes, when it comes to seeing Jesus, we've all got a little of my grandfather in us. Sorry about that. Because I think we know Jesus. We've been talking about Jesus all of our lives. We've got him figured out. We've got him, we, we've got him where we want him. But we may not see Jesus as clearly as we think. If I understand this passage, there's an invitation here. It's an invitation to humility. It's an invitation to exploration. It's an invitation to ask ourselves, do I really see him? Is what I see the whole of it, or is there more? We may not see Jesus as clearly as we think, and like Peter, we all at some time or another might need a second touch. When I was a kid, um, there was a guy on television who would show up late nights uh, doing these infomercials, and he got all over my nerves. This was, this was before the guy, whoever that guy is, who like sells the Flex Seal stuff today, or before, what is it, Billy Mays, who all about OxyClean, right? Before those guys, there was Ron Popeil. Anybody remember Ron Popeil? I'm sorry, yes. So he lived to show you all about the Ronco pocket fisherman. Or, or he would talk to you about the kitchen gadget that would change your life as if he were talking to you about salvation itself. He would hawk the vegomatic. Do you remember the vegomatic? He would promise it would dice your onions, a whole onion, dice it perfectly without shedding a tear, he would say. And it would make mounds and mounds of what? Julienne fries, it would. He carried on about the features of his product, and then he would interrupt himself, and he would say, but wait, 
there's more. But wait, there's more. I put you through that suffering because if I understand it, chapter 8 is the Ron Popeil moment in the Gospel of Mark. Peter says, I know who you are. You're the miracle worker. I know who you are. You are the one of unlimited power. I know who you are. You are the one who has come to make everything good for me. I know who you are. You are the Messiah. And Jesus says, wait, there's more. And for the first time, he begins to talk about the cross. None of us want that conversation. We'd all rather stop chapter 8. None of us want to reflect on a love that can only live as sacrifice, a love that can only live through suffering. But Jesus knows no other way. And so three times he tells them, I'll be handed over and crucified and raised. It's a word that comes slowly to his disciples. It's a word that comes slowly to us. This Lenten season, defined by violence of war and the violence of school shooting, this Lenten season, when the less fortunate among us struggle with inflation, and their poverty is less seen as a problem to be addressed and more as a political opportunity to be exploited. This Lenten season, when in our public discourse, rudeness is rewarded and verbal hostility is confused with patriotism. This Lenten season, it is right for us to stop and ask, Who do we think Jesus is? And how are our lives to be shaped by him? Because who we think he is shapes what we do. That's why I'm grateful that the first event for Prairie Village to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. happened here in the sanctuary. I'm grateful for that, as we declare that all people are welcome. It's why I'm grateful for those of you who set up a home last week for Afghan refugees. Do you have any idea how many people are refugees today? Fleeting war, fleeing poverty, fleeting fleeing climate. It declares that war does not destroy kindness when we take care of the as the scripture says, the alien in our midst. That's why I'm grateful that our high school students will leave this week for the Dominican Republic, and I won't be surprised if while they're there, they see Jesus a bit more clearly. It's Lent. We want to see Jesus. It's a good thing 
Because I, I imagine as soon as we think we are comfortable, as soon as we think we're clear, as soon as we think we've figured it out, it, it wouldn't surprise me if Jesus looks at us and says, but wait, there's more. There's always more. You wouldn't want to miss it. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.